you are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. And one of the things that I love the most about Jenny Kane is how seamlessly all of their staples go together. Their iconic styles truly, truly make getting dressed so easy. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, so think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off. Now, if you love sweaters, Jenny Kane has an unrivaled selection that will become your new obsession. They are known for their super luxe yet lightweight sweaters, and they do cashmere pretty much better than anyone. My Jenny Kane Everyday Sweater is hands down one of my favorite and most versatile sweaters that I own. First off, it is so super soft and cozy, I feel like I am getting a hug every time I wear it. And its wool cashmere blend makes it a great option from fall through spring. For those cooler summer evenings, Jenny Kane also has a great selection of cotton and linen sweaters. And if that wasn't enough, they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase. Find your new staples at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com. So JennyKane.com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. I'm a huge fan of preparation and prevention, and one of the most impactful and immediate ways to influence maternal and infant health is through nourishing nutrition. But honestly, when was the last time any of your providers had a meaningful conversation with you about eating habits and prenatal supplements? Prioritizing nutrition can truly change perinatal health for the better, which is why when talking about prenatal supplements, I'm proud to partner with Needed. They've redesigned the prenatal vitamin from the ground up based on the latest clinical research and in-practice experience of testing thousands of pregnant people's nutrient levels to know what they actually needed, not just to meet some bare minimum needs. And what I always tell my clients is that even though they're called prenatal vitamins, you should continue to take supplements during postpartum and beyond because your body still needs so much nutritional support. I love that at Needed, they understand this and have different plans to make it easy for you to meet your optimal micronutrient, microbiome, and protein needs. They have a fertility support plan, a plan for each of the four trimesters, and a lactation support plan, just to name a few. Needed is recommended by nearly 4,000 doctors, midwives, doulas, and nutritionists, and is proud to be the first perinatal nutrition company that's B Corp and climate neutral certified. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to go beyond the birth plan to talk about birth principles. Although a well-crafted birth plan can be a powerful tool, more often than not, their formulaic and outcome-focused nature can give a false illusion of control and even elicit eye rolls from jaded caregivers. The truth is, your efforts may be better spent on first crafting your own set of birth principles. Jesse Harold explains why. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. 
Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thank you, as always, for all the love you give the show and for helping spread the word with your friends, care providers, doulas, clients, and even on your social media feeds. I really, truly appreciate it. If what you hear is helpful, do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you want to further support this podcast, then support its sponsors, which in this week's case are Green Chef and Expectful. Another way of supporting this podcast is by becoming an official Birthful Patreon when you join the Birthful community at patreon.com slash birthful. Not only will I be so immensely grateful for your support, but you'll also have access to extra content for each episode. And in this week's case, you get access to my birth plan worksheet, which is a great complement to Jesse's birth principles worksheet. Find out more and join the Birthful community at patreon.com slash birthful. The third way you can help support the podcast and also help you yourself get postpartum ready is by signing up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. You do want to start the class during the last months of pregnancy, so ideally around that 30-week mark, but you do get instant lifetime access to all the course materials immediately once you sign up. So you can take it at whatever pace works for you. It's all good. Go sign up at birthfulcourses.com. All right. So today's renewed episode is with Jesse Harold, And Jesse takes a bit of a different approach when approaching birth plans. And she focuses instead on determining your birth principles, or as she likes to say, birth planning with a soul. I feel that this shift in focus is quite powerful, honestly, and I hope you do too. So let's let's tell you more about that. Let's start jump into this conversation. Here's my talk with Jesse Harold. Welcome, Jesse. It is always so good to have you here. Always. Like, I've had you here for so many times. This is the first time. It's great to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a doula and a life coach. I've been a doula for um, almost 10 years now, and I'm a mama of two little people as well. Um, and a writer. I guess I could probably put that into the resume too. <laughs> mm, love it. So, and I can tell you're a writer from, you know, your your website and the the plan that you sent. So, what we're going to talk be talking about today is birth plans versus birth principles. You've you were having like issues with birth plans in general and decided to do something about it. But so, what is the problem with a traditional birth plan? So it's um. They're they're wonderful in many many ways. So I am a full advocate for women, um, you know, exploring their options as they prepare to birth their babes, and having an idea. You know, I always make this joke when I'm teaching prenatal classes. It's somewhat of a joke that you know we all fall on a spectrum somewhere between, you know, desiring a birth that's, you know, with the dolphins in Costa Rica or on one end of the spectrum or at the other end of the spectrum, there's, you know, your planned C-section, for example. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to experience this. I just want to get to the end. And, and that's really, really extreme. And then all of us sit somewhere along that spectrum. So I think that, you know, there's a certain amount of preparation that women have to do just knowing about, say, potential interventions that they may um, be offered and knowing how they feel about them um, and and having that evidence-based approach to birth. Totally important and absolutely still needs to happen. Um, but I think what happens oftentimes um, and something that I had noticed, not just in my doula practice, but actually when I went to birth my first baby, was that um, sometimes our birth plans kind of become, um, first of all, quite formulaic and quite um, sort of a, almost like a, um, a laundry list of things that you want and don't want to have happen. And, and, you know, we know that, of course, birth is one of the most unpredictable things we'll ever experience in our lives, really, maybe the most unpredictable thing. Um, and when we use our birth plan as a way to... Um, try to mask that fear or have some kind of an illusion of control over the process, that's when they can be a little bit challenging. And, um, and, you know, I think we all, we all kind of know that, okay, yeah, this is, this is an unpredictable process. Um, and, 
Yet, I think that, you know, there's um, a lot of people kind of tuck that fear away into a birth plan and go, well, as long as it goes to, according to plan, then everything will be okay. And we, we know that that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, and that we don't have a lot of control over some of those. Um, so birth plans tend to be really focused on some of those um, really outcome um, based measures in birth. So like, you know, will I have, um, pain medications or not? What are my preferences around breastfeeding? What are my preferences around interventions? Um, and what they don't tend to address is some of the, um, you know, deeper feelings that women have as they're going into birth, um, how they want to be treated, how they want to feel, how they want their room to feel. Um, what does it look like to um, to support you specifically as a woman? You know, and I'm sure, as you know from your practice, um, you know, some women want cheerleaders, some women want total silence, and everywhere in between. And so, there's this deeper layer, um, and I call it birth principles because it's really it's the principles with which you approach birth. It's about what you believe about birth, about your body, um, you know, how, how you want to be supported and who you want to have doing, um, providing that support. It's that deeper layer. And, and I think it's, it's some of those feelings, sometimes having to do with, you know, fears or anxieties that we have about birth, that birth plans often mask over, yet birth principles really, really dig into. And I believe that birth principles have the resilience to um, kind of make it towards the end, to the end of a birth and still be upheld. So you can end up with an intervention, for example, that you didn't want to have happen or that you didn't expect to have happen. And, you know, as we say, the birth plan got thrown out the window. You hear that a lot. Um, and yet your birth principles can hold true. And so that's what I think is the difference. And yeah, and uh, you know, because I find, and I experienced this personally, that you can get everything on your birth plan and still have it not be a, a good experience that yes. doesn't match up. And I think this whole idea that you're proposing that we as doulas see that when clients do this work, which is hard, <laughs> um, do this introspection, they do end up having a a, a a more fulfilling experience mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, but, but I think that that is a, that is a new thinking. That is not the general thinking of the population out there because, and when we have this thing, the birth plans and, and, and people think, Oh, if I do all these things, you know, ha have the midwife and, and get a doula and do the childbirth education classes and write my birth plan, all these things will make it so that it's a fabulous birth. Mm. And we don't quite do the introspection of real. I think like that's the first change that needs to happen mentally is thinking, wow, I this this is really going to shake my world, and I need to understand a little bit of what that shaking involves, so that I'm not all completely crumbled at the end. Totally. And there's a couple of things that I I love about what you said. First of all. Um, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but this has been my experience in my doula practice as well, quite frankly, um, as I approached my own first birth, was that um, my my birth plan, and I've seen many like this, um, end up kind of being a um, sort of a, a cover-up for a lot of fear. Um, and my desires personally around having a natural birth for my first child um, were actually rooted in fear. And, and not in sort of a trust in my body or, uh, you know, a belief that I could do it. And so that's, that's, that's the important stuff, right? Like that's the sort of deep down. So it might look like, oh yeah, I want to have this, um, this particular process, whatever that looks like. And I know exactly what I want. And sometimes we know exactly what we want only because we're so afraid of what we don't want. Yeah. Well, for me, it wasn't so much a question, like, I totally, I, I do see that sometimes, and I to, uh, definitely appreciate, you know, where you're coming from. For me, it was different, though. I was coming from a place of always sort of being able to achieve things. Ooh. So it wasn't from fear. It was more of, 
this is what I do, this is who I am, I achieve things, I'm a badass, and so I'm going to rock this birth because boom, right? All right. I, and, and of course, <laughs> then I was like, what just happened? <laughs> Right. That's not totally up to us, right? Right. Well, and, and, and I was fortunate enough that I think I didn't, things in my birth were flowing and, you know, is that, that part luck of things were flowing. I did, having the care provider that I had and setting things up obviously does help. So I, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like there is, I find, a point to the the communication and choice aspects of the birth plan that is helpful mm -hmm. um but it you know i just i did achieve quote unquote what i set out to do like in terms of that birth plan on paper i got all those check marks everything happened mm -hmm. i did have an, an unmedicated you know vaginal birth which is what i set out to have but i that I was focusing on the wrong things. And I think that's a little bit of the problem that if you only focus on the birth plan and the classes and all of that, learning that medical language, which you need to converse. So it's super important. But I think if you only focus on that and not do the hard work of introspection, then you set yourself up, you, you end up short. Totally. And I love what you said a, a, a little bit earlier around, like, uh, I think, you know, we get really caught up in the birth process for a number of reasons. First of all, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. It's huge. Um, it's, it's pretty unknown, especially if it's your first time um, giving birth to a babe. Um, you're often giving birth within the context of, um, of a medical system, perhaps that um, you need to learn how to navigate because that's all new territory too. And that can be really all consuming for a lot of women, but you're right. Um, you know, and, and really, I mean, I think what propels my work as a doula is that I think that birth can be, and, and really it should be, I think so much more than that. It's a huge life transition. And um, I think, you know, this kind of supports women to, see it as more than just like something to be gotten through or something to achieve or, um, you know, something to kind of navigate like a system to navigate or a series of contractions to navigate. Um, but rather looks at the full picture of, you know, what does this mean for me and my life? And I think in the birth principles concept is also that, idea that um, you really get to, to be in touch with um, your intuition and your your strength and finding strength in places that you didn't know they existed before. And those are all things that we get to carry over into our motherhood um, much differently than, you know, okay, I navigated this process of birth and now I'm a mom, right? Um, and so I think it really starts to, you're right, that introspection really starts to kind of support women to see this transition as something more, um, something that has a lot more potential to show them their strength and their power um, than, I say in air quotes, simply navigating, um, you know, a series of contractions or a, a system within which you're birthing, right? Yeah, exactly. So, no, and that's why I love that you reached out and wanted to share your birth principles because I think it's a really fabulous compliment to or, or framework on which pregnant people can prepare, start preparing for becoming a parent. Because I think birth is like the first parenting lesson you get. Um, but so before we get into the different sections and, and what your birth principles entail, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. 
This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com, so airdoctorpro.com, and use the promo code BIRTHFUL. And we're back talking with Jesse Harold. So let's get deeper into how your birth principles are different. You have a beautiful worksheet. Let's kind of go through all the sections. Sure. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, and, and really, so birth principles take you into your, your deepest beliefs about birth, about your body, about yourself, and about the, the people that you're surrounding with and um, yourself with and how you want to feel during that process. So yeah, I created this um, workbook to support women through the process of creating their own birth principles. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and it was, it was interesting because it really came out of, um, you know, a process that I went through as I was preparing for the birth of my second babe. Um, you know, I had the sort of ticky box on my checklist pre pre, you know, birth, I'm gonna make a birth plan. Okay. And I sat down one night by the fire and just, kind of intuitively picked up markers and a big piece of paper and started writing out something that was way different than what I was expecting to write. Um, and, and hence here come, you know, the birth principles came, came out of me. And so, so yeah, the workbook works women through. So it starts with, um, the idea of tapping into emotion. So it's, um, you know, questions around how you want to feel during your birthing process. How do you want to feel when you're in early labor? Um, how do you want to feel as you actively labor? What are some of the, you know, the words that you want to kind of tap into? You want to feel powerful? Do you want to feel peaceful, calm, supported? What does that look like? Um, and, and sort of goes through the labor process and really taps into the feelings that you want to have evoked around you and how you want to feel about yourself. And so that's really one of the first kind of um, questions that gets asked in the workbook. So before you go on, yeah, <laughs> why is that important? What's the point of doing that? I, it comes back to that piece around resilience, I think, um, because no matter what the outcome, you know, whether you end up, you know, I joke like the birthing with the dolphins in Costa Rica or ending up, um, you know, with an unforeseen intervention of some kind, um, you can still be supported to feel the way you want to feel, regardless of what the actual outcome of your of your birth is. You can still feel strong and respected and courageous and, you know, beautiful or powerful in any of those outcomes. And it has to do with the way that you're treated, the way that your words are, are heard and respected. Um, and, and so it has so much more to do with sort of those things. And those are actually things that we do have um, I, I sort of hesitate to use the word control, but I'll use it. Um, we do have more control over those things than we do um, sort of this really unpredictable process of birth. Mm. And I like how it puts it back on you because you can you can control how you show up. It may you might not want to, or it might require a lot of self awareness to go from, you know maybe being in a state of more of resistant and kind of throwing a tantrum or, or just really not wanting what's happening mm. to taking that deep breath and okay I'm going to accept this and then changing so I like also the part that it, it, it gives you that sort of how are you going to show up totally it's all about like how to um yeah if you want to feel powerful and you want to step into your power in the birth process. Um, you know, it, it's about 
not just doing that under the circumstances that you desire for your birth, but yeah, what, how do you do this um, under unforeseen circumstances? And this was actually something that my doula had supported me with my first birth, where I ended up with an intervention that I didn't um, really anticipate. And she helped me to really own that process and say, okay, so if the new given here is that you're going to choose this intervention, well, first of all, it was, it was about her helping me to actually choose it so that it was on my terms. Um, and then also, okay, so if that's the given, then what are the other things that can help you to feel powerful, strong, beautiful? So, you know, within the context of having this intervention, well, how would you like this to look? You know, what do you, what do you still have, um, Again, I'll use the control word. It's not the best word for <laughs> talking about birth generally, but what can you control out of the situation now? What can you um, tap into to help you to still feel strong and supported and whatever those feelings are? Mm -hmm. Have agency yeah. over. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So the first part is about the emotions and the feelings. What's the next section? on? So the next section is around navigating external influences because – much as we, you know, I think your support people are there to create a little bubble around you, right? I, I always believe um, so that you can kind of birth, um, you know, as, as sort of, you know, autonomously and, you know, within your own kind of process as possible. But we know that we, we birth um, in sort of a, a setting, whatever that is, whether it's in the hospital or a home or wherever, where you're going to have to navigate external influences. So this is around... Um, you know, how do you want the room to feel when you're in labor? Like, you know, what does the room look like? I've had, I've had births where there was like 17 people in the room and a band. <laughs> and then I've also had births where, you know, it was completely silent and nobody spoke and it was completely dark. And so what is the atmosphere that you, um, that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, really support you the most. And that'll be different for everyone. And then how do you want others in the room to treat you? Like what, what does it sound like when somebody, you know, speaks to you respectfully or, you know, what, um, yeah, how do you want to be, how do you want to be treated during this experience? And then who do you trust when it comes to your birthing experience? And, and that I think is really kind of important and it's something that could, you know, um, could bring forth a lot of really interesting um, sort of feelings and beliefs to work through. Um and, and who do you trust the most? I, I think it's really important to consider. Mm. And um, yeah, I can appreciate how this is clearly like really important, especially the trust part, because it requires you to then take a very objective look at the people that are going to surround you and your care providers. And if there isn't trust, you know, what can you do about it? How do you establish that trust? And does it require a specific conversation with your care providers? And, you know, will it be maybe awesome and life-changing or, or, or birth-changing? Or will it be something that will make things worse? And then what do you do about it? Exactly. And trust is a more nuanced thing than just sort of, I don't trust doctors or I do totally trust my partner. There's, there's more nuance to it than that. So maybe you're considering having your, your mom or your mother-in-law or somebody come in the room and, you know, do you trust them to, um, to always be encouraging? Do you trust them to use the words that you need them to use to, so that you feel supported? Um, little things like that. It's not, it's not sort of a black and white thing necessarily. So it's really inviting people to consider um, who is most supportive um, in the room. Mm-hmm. And briefly, you talked about the environment, like what does the room look like and what do you want there? Why is that important? Um, well, so important. <laughs> I mean, I think it really, it's one of the, you know, the key things that contributes to women's ability to kind of get and stay in the birth process. You know, we know that um, our cortisol levels work in direct kind of opposition to our oxytocin levels. We need it to be low stress and, you know, high comfort. And that's going to look different for every woman. Um, but I think it's absolutely, it's, and it's like, it's a low hanging fruit, I think, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to, um, you know, setting the stage for birth, like, yeah, hospital rooms can look a little bit sterile. Um, but you can very easily kind of bring things along that, you know, help you to kind of feel more at home. Um, 
you know, and darken the room or whatever it is that makes you feel good. Yeah. And I asked the question going inside. I'm going like, I can't believe I'm asking this question, but it does. It makes it like it's all it's so obvious to me that that is huge and you need it because it supports their process. But we need to like say why, because not everybody might know. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the thing is, too, is that some people are a little hesitant because they feel like especially when they're going into the hospital for for their birth, they kind of feel like they're in someone else's house, which, um, you know, and so even just knowing, hey, you're totally allowed to make that room look and feel how you want it to. It's yours for now, you know, so. You've rented that room. You're paying for it. That's your (laughs) weird hospital room. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then what is the next section that you focus on? So then we we talk about stepping into the unknown. So this gets a little bit deeper. And, um, you know, I kind of I alluded to earlier and I say that, you know, in this day and age, we can Google everything. Right. And and birth is one of often one of the first times that women um, truly could not cannot predict the outcome of what's going to happen. And that's, I think, where a lot of the the root of some of women's fears and anxiety is around birth kind of occurs. Um, and so, so this is about, you know, how can you, how can you kind of support yourself and be supported just step into the unknown? And so, um, the questions there around, you know, how do you feel about the unpredictability and the unknown in labor and birth? Like what, you know, what are your feelings around that? Um, how would you like to meet with situations that are unexpected or out of your control during birth? So how do you, it's, um, as you mentioned before, is that agency piece, how, how do you want to step into those situations? Because you're right. You do have, um, you do have that agency. You get to, you get to step up and meet those rather than kind of letting them bowl you over. Um, and then what resources, support or tools do you need to accomplish this? So like, you know, who do you need to surround yourself with? Or what, maybe what information do you need to have at your fingertips? Um, do you need to have a doula? Do you need to have a care provider who's on board? Like, um, you know, things like that. And some of them are obvious and some of them are going to be really specific to the individual woman, um, depending on how it is that you feel about those unknowns. Yeah. And also your specific circumstances, because we don't, birth in a vacuum we have like all our experiences of our lives that we bring into this really emotional and physical and you know thing that thing that shakes us at all levels um yeah so all kinds of stuff shows up and it's going to look different for different people mm-hmm. yeah yeah so then after stepping into the unknown what do you do so then we talk about, so it kind of builds on that question of what resources, tools, or, or you know, support that you need to accomplish this. It's, it's actually touching into your own power and your own strength. Um, and so it's, you know, what three character strengths do you have that will serve you well during birth? I think this is really important. I mean, we generally, um, women, our culture, we tend to kind of um, you know, play down our strengths. And, um, you know, I hear a lot of women say, Oh, I'm a wimp, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. Um, and so I kind of wonder, well, then what are the strengths that are going to carry you specifically, um, as a woman into your birth experiences? What types of situations bring out these strengths? And that kind of, you know, gets to a little bit of, you know, what kind of atmosphere and what kind of support do you need to, to bring out those strengths? And how can you stand in your power during birth, which is a really open ended question, um, and will look different for women, um, depending on, you know, your, your circumstances, and you're right, like, all of those things that you kind of bring to the birth experience with you. Um, But what does that look like to stand in your power during your birth? And so I think those are really, really important questions to 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 dig into um, before, you know, going into that birth experience. And and, you know, it's a a prime example also of, um, you know, your your character strengths don't just go away depending on, you know, what happens during the the birth situation or the the birth circumstances that you're going through. So you get to rely on those, you know, in all of this unpredictably and unpredictability, you get to rely on the fact that you are, you know, I don't know, um, 
a great, I don't know, listener or a great meditator or a great or very strong or incredibly headstrong or whatever that is, whatever those character strengths might be, um, those are still going to be there. They might need to be a little bit, you know, supported to come out, but those are still going to be there. Mm. And I, I totally appreciate that and wish it would have been very helpful to do some of this work before my birth. I can bring it back because, well, first I didn't have a doula and I, like I wasn't even in the birth world then. It, that it, it, it was that birth that propelled me into this world and this work, as most of us usually, right? That's where we fall in love with birth. Mm -hmm. But um, because I didn't do any introspection and I didn't have all the other things necessarily of the proper environment and the proper support and, you know, a lot of things fell into place again by luck. But one of the things that I am insanely is stubborn. <laughs> yeah. I've joked before um, with other guests that I like I had a natural and medicated birth because I was so stubborn. Um, but if I would have reframed it as headstrong or, you know, it, that would have been a little bit more positive because I ended up feeling that the two things that really came out of my birth and, and helped me get through it were stubbornness and at the end, anger. And I know that I really didn't feel so great with the anger part, but it was one of those situations. And I'm sure you've seen this and it's now I feel horrible about it, not for mine, but for everybody who has like me too, but everybody who has to experience this of a long pushing stage where somebody in the room says, you know, get mad and push your baby. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Get mad and push your baby. And. I can appreciate now where they're coming from of trying to get you to dig deep and into that strength. Unfortunately, I realized that all the circumstances that led to, like at that point, that's kind of pretty much one of the only ways out. But the fact that you got there in the first place to that to that moment of, of pushing for so long, being exhausted and having to dig deep for extra energy to do it there's so many things that need to be so that can be done before ahead of time so that you're not in that position that mm -hmm. you know it's that's like a whole different topic but but I was really not I remember in the moment going like okay I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna get angry but also feeling like that's not the feeling I want to be feeling, this is not the, the attitude I want to be having when my child's coming into the world. Uh -huh. And so having had a little bit of what are my tools and what things can I bring into this process ahead of time would have been avoided all of that, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not that stubbornness and anger, like there's a lot of good energy that can and, 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 and positive things that can come out of that. It was just it needed reframing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think your birth principles definitely can help with that preventative reframing mm -hmm. ahead of time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all about how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Exploring yourself. Ugh. Um. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick break, but when we come back, let's uh, talk about that last part of the birth, birth principles. We'll be right back. Hey, Mighty One, as you approach the journey into birth and parenthood, now is the perfect time to make your home a serene and nurturing haven with the help of Home Threads. At Home Threads, you'll discover furniture designed for comfort and functionality, from cozy nursing chairs to versatile baby-friendly storage, as well as a super wide array of options to spruce up any room in your house. Home Threads can help make your home the perfect nest for your growing family and at a great value. I so appreciate that wide range of styles that you can find at Home Threads. For example, I was ecstatic when I found a pair of truly stunning mid-century curved walnut dining chairs that somehow perfectly match my home office chair. I mean, what are the chances? These chairs are not only gorgeous in their light green upholstery, but also super sturdy and just so comfortable. I simply adore them. 
explore the amazing finds Home Threads has waiting for you. Go to homethreads.com slash birthful and get a code for 15% off your first order. Do make sure to go to our unique URL of homethreads.com slash birthful to get your discount. Home Threads, love where you live. Okay, so the last part of the Birth Principles workbook, which is, what, what is it? It's understanding your beliefs. And so it's really, um, you know, really digging deep into what you believe about birth, about your body, um, and taking some time to kind of reflect on what what you know to be true for you. Um, and I think that's something, again, it's a much deeper question, I think, and it sometimes helps to have some support to to work through this, either, you know, from your doula or someone, um, because, you know, we, as we t- talked about earlier, we all kind of, um, you know, come to this threshold of, um, you know, preparing for birth with a whole slew of different experiences and beliefs about, um, about birth in general that may have been informed by, you know, our mother's experiences, maybe other experiences that you've heard of from your friends. Um, and Hey, society, like we can't unknow sort of what, um, our societal, um, perspectives on birth are. And so all of those kind of inform those deep set beliefs that we may have about birth and then about our bodies. Um, and you know, unfortunately, you know, so many of us as women have really fraught relationships with our bodies. Um, you know, there's sometimes some distrust or even just disconnection. Um, you know, what do you, what do you know to be true about your body and, and how it works and can you trust it? And, you know, how does your intuition show up in your body and and things like that. And I think those are so important. Um, they really, if anything, that's almost like the core of the birth principles is what do you know to be true about birth and your body? And that actually might be a place too, where you need to do a bit of work, um, in preparation for birth. Um, you know, if you have a deep set fear of birth or, um, you know, a, a true disconnection with your body, then getting some support to work through that in advance of, of your birth can be really powerful. Hmm. Yeah. And we do have different ideas of what birth is supposed to be. And, and it's, we don't have a lot of experience with birth or watching birth, right? Just like with breastfeeding, we're disconnected from it. So unfortunately, what we see in the media from the time we're really little kids, that gets in there, um, even in a subconscious way. Yeah. Yeah. So doing the work of thinking about it can be so eye-opening. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so when you're all, you know, finished answering these questions, there's a, there's sort of, um, in the workbook, there's, um, you know, a series of ways for you to kind of make sense of what you've just written. Um, and, and I, I actually included my birth principles, the ones that sort of just came to me that night by the fire. Um, and, and when you look through them, really, those principles, though I, you know, I totally advocate for having a, a birth plan, that's great. But actually, the birth principles um, really make up, you know, they, if they're, if they're done sort of holistically, and, and sort of really intentionally, they should actually inform everything that you choose, um, all of those outcomes, all of those things that you have, you know, choices about during your birth process. So in a way, do the birth principles first and then decide if you're doing a birth plan and, and, and how you're going to do it. Ah, yeah. So I had to, I actually had included my birth principles in the, in the workbook. And so, you know, for example, you know, one of the things that I, um, really kind of uncovered in the process of this and, and, you know, in the birth of my second babe, I really came to it with this deep trust of birth and this deep knowledge of my, of my body. And so what that meant then is that, you know, and I, I kind of put it underneath, um, that sort of principle was that, 
My decisions will be informed by my intuition, by evidence, and by the loving counsel of my support team, and that I will do what feels right for my body and my baby, where it feels right, and when. And so it's really like it's that is underlying any decision that I might have to make. Like I know my birth, I know my body, and I trust birth. Um, you know, when you trust birth, there's a lot of really individual decisions that that come out of that. For example, you're 42 weeks and there's no sign of a baby. <laughs> if you trust birth and, you know, and you've, 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 you know, you feel intuitively as though everything is fine. You, you are aware of the evidence around, you know, post dates and you feel as though it's, you know, a good idea to continue waiting. then that's what you do. <laughs> you know, And so really that, that kind of fundamental principle, I trust birth, I know my body, can inform that, you know, very specific outcome-based decision, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it does make sense. Now, Jesse, traditionally, you know, birth plans are in part created to be shared with the medical caregivers or hospital staff and create that bridge of communication. Are birth principles made to be shared as well? I think it depends on your team. When I created my own, I totally shared it with my team. Um, I had a really, you know, my doula and I were completely on the same wavelength when it came to creating these. And she just took one look at them and she was like, oh, of course. Yes, of course. You know, and totally got it. Um, same with my partner and and my midwives. Well, admittedly, they kind of looked at it like, whoa, I've never seen something like this before. Um, but when I explained it to them, um, it was really, really clear. And so I actually, personally, I use that as my birth plan. I had it posted on my wall um, during my labor process. And that was, that was it. Um, but yeah, I think it's really what it is. It's the underlying work. And if you feel as though, and it totally depends again on, the, on your support team and, you know, what you're anticipating in terms of the environment that you're birthing in, you know, if they're used to seeing birth plans and, um, and you know that that is sort of the most powerful tool with which to communicate with your healthcare providers, um, or your doula or partner, whoever, totally do, do a birth plan, do a traditional birth plan. Um, but I would always recommend do this work, um, first or, you know, in the, while you're kind of working through the idea of, of your birth plan, this is the deeper work that I think um, birth plans gloss over. Mm. And, and I think it is important to realize that they both have kind of a different purpose, but that doing this first will make the downfalls or the pitfalls of the birth plans be less. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, having these two tools coexist, what should be than the purpose of a birth plan or what does like a good birth plan look like? Good quote unquote, oh, yeah. quote, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that is really context dependent, right? Um, you know, I think that um, in generally in my perspective and in my practice in the hospital where I um, attend most of the births that I attend, um, birth plans are definitely the norm and which is awesome and they are kind of you know expected to look a certain way I, I always kind of joke like it should be sort of like a resume you want it one or two pages and pretty short um I always um you know encourage women to just kind of hit the high points of what um what their preferences are around you know each stage of labor is um and I often um um suggest that women place, um, sort of, I call it an elevator speech. So if you were to be riding an elevator from the second floor to the sixth floor with, um, you know, whoever your healthcare provider, um, and you had just four floors <laughs> to, to really get across to them what it is that you want for your birth, what would you say? And that's, that's always kind of what I suggest as, as uh, that women put as kind of the headliner to their birth plan. Um, and I think that's actually where birth principles kind of the little, you know, glimmer of, of what they were, um, where that came from for me, because in my experience, most women, um, you know, if given, you know, two seconds, say, say a new healthcare provider comes in the room and all of a sudden you need to create rapport and share what it is that you want for your birth. What's the most important thing that you want to say? And so many women, 
um, regardless of what their individual preferences for and outcome-based preferences were for their birth, you know, generally want to feel like they're a part of the process, like they've been informed, um, they want to feel respected, like those are sort of often the really kind of key high points, um, you know, that go into that elevator speech. Um, and they really are principles. So, so I don't know. Um, there's, <laughs> in terms of what a good birth plan looks like, I think it'll be really individual depending on, you know, what you're anticipating your relationship with your healthcare providers will be and how, how the hospital setting is vis-a-vis what you're hoping to, um, you know, the setting that you want to birth in um, and what you know about hospital practice and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think that's all really individual for the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I consider the birth plan a really great opportunity to set the tone for your birth when you have people that, you you know, especially, obviously, to to communicate and talk with your care provider ahead of the birth just to make sure you go over things and have like a deeper understanding of how they feel about your plan and how respected you will be and all these things, right? But then it's it can be a really great shorthand at the hospital with all this staff that you've never seen before, nurses and residents and whatever, that they can quickly look at it and you're setting the tone. And I think if you look at it in that sense of you're setting the tone for your birth, the way you write it is very different, and especially the, that first like opening paragraph. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, um, you know, I, I think you're right that that sort of preparatory period, taking your birth plan to your doctor's appointments and having having your doctor or midwife, whoever, um, look through your birth plan and you know, that you can gain a lot of information, even sort of reading between the lines when they are reading it, um, you know, about what that person's actually going to be like when they're supporting you in the birthing room. And, uh, and, you know, what, what they, what their practices, what their beliefs are, um, what their perspective on your birth process is um, well in advance. So, but I've also seen birth, birth, plans, um, really specifically detailed birth plans. Um, for example, um, a couple of clients that I had supported recently had, um, quite complex, um, medical issues and really, you know, desired a natural process despite the fact that they had, um, a a lot of complexities going on. And they actually used, um, the birth plan, um, in, in a much different way, with creating a lot of detail around, um, you know, specific procedures and medications and, and things like that. And the birth plan was incredibly powerful because, um, it, it carried a lot of weight. It was based on a lot of conversations that women had had with their healthcare providers about their care. Um, and everyone in the room had to read that plan because it was, um, it, it, you know, had that much weight and it was so important, um, just almost from a clinical perspective to ensure that the woman, um, and her desires were respected. So I've seen them be incredibly, incredibly powerful um, and not, you know, quote unquote, get thrown out the window. Um, <laughs> but totally, it says, you know, should it get thrown out the window or not get packed in the bag? Having that underlying principle piece um, is so important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, f- I find that if you create a birth plan that doesn't look like it's from a template that you, you're using checkboxes online. Yeah. Right, that because that like in terms of setting the tone you're conveying something there you're conveying a lot which is not necessarily what you want that's going to serve you um so it, it i i think it's a great tool for for that for communicating with people very clearly setting the tone for what you would like and who you are like there you're presenting yourselves but also i suggest that people put in there things that are out of protocol wishes that are out of protocol with what the hospital usually does exactly yeah I think that's really important for two reasons I've seen a lot of um you know in my in my birth practice there's uh, in the hospital that I that I work in there's certain things for example immediate skin-to-skin contact is um policy at the hospital that I work at um post postpartum and um and so when a woman writes that on her birth plan that maybe she downloaded off the internet um you know that was created in a place that that's not the policy I've actually seen the healthcare providers get a little bit bristly 
that, you know, actually we do this already. Like, <laughs> um, and so really, uh, I think that's, yeah, it's having it be appropriate to the, to the setting and, um, very individualized and, and yeah, really highlighting things that maybe aren't already policy or things that might look really different than the average birth perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the real estate on that page on your birth plan <laughs> yeah. is very pricey. Like you want to put in there the least possible, the things that are more relevant. So wasting a line saying something that's already going to happen as a given, like I want to move around. Well, unless, unless there's something deeply wrong, you're nobody's going to restrain you. Um, Right. So don't waste inches or, or lines putting that in and just inform yourself, inform yourself of what the policies are. Yeah, totally. And, and how you, how you want to work with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how has using these birth principles made a difference for your clients in their birth experiences? I think it's made all the difference. I mean, we still create birth plans, um, oftentimes, but, but many women that I work with don't necessarily feel the need to create a birth plan after they've created birth principles. Um, but, um, really, what this is, is the deeper work that I think well, oftentimes as doulas even, or as, as women, we don't think to do or have time to do um, with our clients, for example, prenatally, really understanding, um, you know, what those kind of core, core values and beliefs around your birthing process are. This is deeper thinking than I think a lot of us are supported to do or know how to do um, when it comes to our birth experiences. And so I think it makes all the difference in the world from, from, you know, my perspective as a, as a doula, I get a, an underlying understanding of my client. And actually this opens doors to have conversations about things that we might not, that might not come up otherwise, you know, um, especially around that sort of, you know, that trust piece and, and, you know, how you feel about birth and your body, that's an opportunity to say, you know, geez, um, you know, my mother always talked about these horrible, challenging, traumatic births or whatever that she had. And that may not come out in, in average conversation, but actually those are really important because those are forming your perspective or perspective on, you know, how your process is going to be or how birth is. Um, so I think it just opens the doors to conversations that don't always naturally happen. Um, that I think, you know, everyone arrives to support you a little bit more prepared to support you. Um, and you arrive with a much different understanding, um, of yourself as a birthing woman. Imagine if you, you know, kind of thought, Oh, geez, you know, I never had the opportunity to think of, you know, how say my mother's stories of my birth, um, impacted my beliefs about birth. Um, you know, I've had that before and and it's not something you want to deal with as you're going into labor, right? Um, it really impacts your process, sort of, um, some of those underlying principles. So I think it really makes a difference. Um, and, and I've seen it be quite, quite powerful women for women and also even making sense of sort of the, um, you know, afterwards, what happened, you know, um, it, great if it happened exactly as you thought or planned or desired. Um, but if it didn't, women, I find are much more easy to easily able to tap into the ways in which they were strong or powerful or respected or use their voices or some of those underlying things, despite possibly not having an outcome that they saw uh, coming, for example. So I think it's actually quite fortifying in the postpartum period um, when women go to process those experiences and make sense of those birth experiences um, because they've done that work in advance, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's all, As you were talking, I was thinking of the difference between meeting somebody and having a relationship that is based on a lot of small talk mm-hmm. or having a conversation that is deep and truly fulfilling. And you can have sort of like that small talk, talk birth and small talk support. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of people do. But understanding that there's a possibility to have a deep conversation, quote unquote, birth. And that this is like the first step towards it and how much more fulfilling that can be if you've done the work and how much for much fulfilling 
how much more fulfilling, I can't talk today, fulfilling that experience is going to be if it's a deep conversation and not just small talk. I love that you said that. I bet the word possible is is one that's a real, um, I have this deep belief that, you know, there is so much possibility in the birth experience, not just for a woman to become a mother, but for a woman to fully realize herself and her strength and her courage and her intuition and to to do a lot of healing even in her relationship with her body or um, her support people. There is so much possibility in this beautiful experience that women are having birthing um, that, you know, I, I, it's just, it's a shame to, to see it as just sort of a, uh, you know, you're right, like a small talk conversation, transaction, something that's going to happen and be over with and then um, we'll move on. Um, I think there's something deeper there. And I think a lot of women find that postpartum, they realize like, oh my goodness, this was actually totally world shaking, not just because I created a human um, and not just because I spend all my time changing diapers now, but because I'm a new person, I am a new woman. And it really, I think it supports women to really birth themselves, not just as mothers, but as women who happen to be mothers. Yeah, because I think that's, that's the, the, the real essence of why we are even talking about this and why we support it. It's not because we want you to like, we want to get all woo on you and go like, oh, yeah, your feelings and stuff. Because I can, I know there's, there can be resistance towards that. I get it. <laughs> but the fact that whether you want it or not, afterwards, we all know that once you have that baby in your arms, and you have gone through this experience, it is transformative, it will change who you are. Yes, you are a new person have a new identity. So are you going to be blindsided by that? Or are you gonna or, or, or sort of like, you know, yeah, swept away by all this energy that's going to come your way? Or are you gonna be writing it? And that's exactly it. Yep. Yeah. So it's not that we're like, oh, you need, you know, <laughs> we know that whether you want it or not, it's going to change you so incredibly much. So we want that to be like a happy change for you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because it is an identity shift. And, and, you know, that's a lot of the work that I do around in my coaching work with women um, and, and mothers is around identity change. And we know that Identity shift is, is awesome in many ways. Yep. But that we, we leave things behind as well. And there's grief involved, even in the, you know, exciting or happy events of a, of a, of a baby. Um, and so I think that there's, um, there's definite benefit to kind of going a little bit deeper and really exploring that. Absolutely. Jesse, what are your, some of your other favorite books or websites or resources other than your own on this topic? Mm. So there's, there's nothing quite like birth principles. However, I've, there's been a lot of sort of sources of in, um, inspiration that I've drawn upon. So I have a couple um, favorite books and resources. Um, so I'm a sacred pregnancy instructor and, and have been involved with the sacred pregnancy movement for a few years now, quite a few years now, actually. So the book, Sacred Pregnancy and Sacred Motherhood, and just generally all of the resources associated with um, Sacred Pregnancy by Annie Dalter are amazing. They really, really get into, um, you know, this sort of deeper process around birthing and, and mothering. Um, so I think those are fantastic resources. I love Birthing from Within. Um, you know, I do a lot of work around birth story healing and um, and that kind of thing. So Pam England's Birthing from Within is an amazing resource um, for women as they're preparing for birth as well. Again, kind of getting into these sort of deeper um, um, sort of processes that we undergo as we become mothers. Um, and I also love Mothering from Your Center by Tammy Lynn Kent. Um, another great, great book. So really kind of looking at this transition to motherhood um, a little bit more deeply. Mm, love it. And yeah. I will link in the show notes. I did a, a while ago now, a an episode with Pam England from Birthing with from Within on um, Healing Your Birth Story. Beautiful. So I'll link to that for sure. 
Yeah. Now, if they want to get your birth principles worksheet or learn more about you or connect or just see what you're doing, what you're up to, how can they do that? The best way is through my website. So my business name is Nalumana, N-A-L-U-M-A-N-A. So it's www.nalumana.com. And um, on there, there's a couple of different ways that you can link into the birth principles um, workbook. Um, there's a, um, a tab uh, for birth services. Um, it's linked there. And then also, um, if you just check out the blog on there, there's a little sidebar um, where you can download it. And um, yeah, so that's usually the best place to kind of connect with me. And I write on the blog there every week, often around sort of um, not just the transition to motherhood, but just generally life transitions and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, there's a space there also to sign up for um, my newsletter. If you like to hear that kind of uh, writing and like to have that in your inbox once a week, then that's available as well. So fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today, Jesse. It was lots of fun. Thank you. It was wonderful chatting with you. I really appreciate it. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member, benefits, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2019 by Adriana Lozada. <laughs>